0: At what
1: point must a female senator raise her hand or her voice to be recognized over the male
0: colleagues in the room? And welcome back to the Second Reading Podcast. I'm Jim Henson, director of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin. Looking forward to being joined soon by our university of te- new University of Texas comrades at SFA. Oh. I don't know if you've been following that, but that legislation is moving. Oh, I have been following that actually. Yeah. Add Stephen F. Austin to the UT system. So, welcome, guys, guys and gals, and everyone else. Right. Enjoy the fun. Enjoy the fun. So, as you can <laughs> yeah. tell, happy to be joined today by Josh Blank, Research Director for the Texas Politics Project. Hey. How's it Top going? Top of the morning, Josh. Or, yeah. oh, what's, mid- it's still mid- morning. It's, yeah. it's after morning.
1: I think it's the. Well, yeah, I guess it depends on where the top and the bottom of the morning is.
0: Right. Well, I think once you hit noon, you know, so, uh, you know, it, it's it, in the in the way that th- three to five is afternoon. I guess afternoon is all afternoon. Well, I guess, right? yeah. So I'm going to call this after morning. I kind of like bottom of the morning, though. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well.
1: That, that's me. Anyway.
0: <laughs> all right. So we're off to a good start here. No digressions here in this podcast. No. Um, <laughs> so you know, last week we... Our theme was sort of abstract in the sense, although I think we did a good job of making it concrete, although we'll let the listeners decide as that, concrete I as we could <laughs> um last week, our theme was uncertainty and and that general mood certainly continues this week as the the Texas House and Senate both you know continue to like work pretty furiously, There's a lot of bills moving uh, a lot of committee hearings et cetera mm-hmm. um But, you know, the sense of uncertainty, you know, that we talked about last week, you know, is still operative. The House and the Senate remain on different pages on, you know, two of the key public issues that the governor and lieutenant governor have invested in heavily, property taxes and vouchers, ESAs. Um, You know, the Senate parental rights voucher bill has been referred to the House Education Committee. That's a fairly recent development. I think that happened yesterday. Uh, We're recording on Tuesday morning uh, here. Um, and there's tons of signaling still going on, on on property tax relief and on most everything that the House and the Senate are, are disagreeing on. Um, as we speak today, on Tuesday again, you know, lots of stuff going on today in the kind of, um, you know, outside of those big focus issues. Hearings today on guns, on water, um, lots of other things. So, you know, local, the,
1: local control or not. Yeah, the big,
0: yeah, the, the, the boroughs preemption bill, I believe, is, yeah. uh, is moving today. So, you know, a lot going on. Um, you know, rather than pick one of those things, we're going to let things ripen a little bit more, I think, although, you know, some of these things will come up, no doubt. Um, but uh, speaking of all the signaling going on, uh, Josh, you took some time over the last week or so to look at some of the data that we collected in our last two polls in December and February um, on Texas attitudes towards media. And we did this in a couple of different bites. So in December, we looked at uh, Texas Texans sort of media habits and consuming political news. And I'll let you unpack that in a minute. And then in February, we asked about use of social media, um, both what people seem to be reported using and favorable ratings towards the different platforms for, you know, reasons that will, again, that we can talk about, you know, and I think a lot of ways that, you know, the timing was good for both of those batteries. I mean, on there's always a lot of interest in media yeah. use. I mean, we, we've, over the years of doing this poll, you know, we've relatively intermittently checked in on this, but, you know, in the first years of the poll, there was another Texas media poll going on at UT that's... Sense I guess kind of gone into abeyance or ended or whatever exactly is going on there, mm-hmm. and so we did kind of stay away from it from the first several years because somebody else was doing it
1: well i I'd also, I'd also add you know it also you know, you know brass tax
0: media use questions take up a lot of survey space right and and as we 'll kind of illustrate here with the, the the data you'll talk about, but nonetheless I mean you know even in the in the immediate you know say last year or two mm-hmm. Um, if not more immediate in some ways. You know, we're continuing to see a lot of interesting developments in what we think of as, you know, the traditional media space. I mean, all you have to do is look at the headlines. Fox News has been, well, you know, in the news right. uh, with the revelations that have come out as part of the defamation lawsuit by uh, Dominion Voting Systems. Uh, that trial is supposed to happen this week, though there are obviously negotiations going on. Um you know something in a of a disruption in the the pattern of cable news that we used to sort of think of as defining the cable news space and kind of, you know, interesting in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. you know, Fox has more competition on the right with multiple outlets that that proliferated particularly during the Trump and the immediate the Trump presidency and the immediate afterwards immediate aftermath CNN's been moved by management away from the tone it adopted during the the Trump presidency, which was read by many as being, you know, kind of reflexively oppositional to Trump and and frankly to Republicans, and I think there's actually some some truth in that. Uh, if you watch CNN much, um, and then overall within that space, cable news viewership I, I think is pretty stagnant, more or less. You know, in the longer term. We've seen, you know, local television has been changing. I mean, I think for a long time the story was and still remains the paucity of local news. And you and I have talked about this maybe even on the podcast before. You know, I I think two things about that. On one hand, sure, the decline in the reach of local newspapers was a pretty demonstrable fact. I think local television is more complicated in the sense that, you know, even talking to journalists, it's often been considered kind of the – you know the ugly stepchild of the Ooh. news environment and yet there've been interesting things going on there with the consolidation of these big local ownership changes that now exist you know it used to be you had a local network affiliate right that's kind of you know what you needed to know but now there's this whole other cross you know sort of you know ownership factor of these big conglomerates that have been consolidating local news markets over the last decade or so right um you know in Austin the you know the Recognizable brands, or even you know Texas writ large, you know Next Star, Sinclair, right, um, uh, Gray Television, though not as big in Texas, um, companies like that. Social media environment also pretty dynamic, right. and they, this is where there's a real you know we could look at the sh- at the longer term, but certainly in the short term, if you think about how you know Fox Fox News has been in the news, right. Twitter, Elon, you know, the Elon Musk purchase of Twitter has put Twitter relentlessly, you know, probably only intermittently in the national news, but certainly in sort of our circles. Well, Elon Musk, who did an interview on Fox News last
1: night. (laughs) Right,
0: right. You know, Musk is just, you know, there's so many different things going on with him. But Twitter is certainly the thing that, you know, in this space, his purchase of Twitter has been a real earthquake, I think. And Mm -hmm. his seeming reshaping of Twitter, according to, you know, what do you want to call it? Dispositions, impulses, political whims, I, neuroses, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the massive burst of attention to TikTok, first because of its rapid use, you know, and and, and it's, you know, the explosion in use, sort of a spoiler alert here by young people, mm-hmm. but also just the general, I mean, the rapid, I mean, the, the user base of TikTok is huge, yeah. international, fold into that, the, the issue of Chinese ownership stake very much in the news and that all comes you know in the wake of you know you, you were saying before the podcast the kind of you know the attention to facebook its handling of the 2016 election but even before that yeah. i mean it's you know questions about facebook's generally. algorithm and you know whether facebook was doing harm or good you know to the to the polity etc so there was a lot going on that kind of drove us to to ask some questions about these things so let's unpack some of what you found as you were you know, once you took time to process these batteries and it's – there's an there's an interesting kind of inside in terms of our – you know, we kind of did these. They were interesting. Took us a while to get back to them, right? Yeah.
1: Well, it's one of those things where, I mean, we didn't want to wait too long, but also, uh, you know, ultimately, like – it's sort of something that just keeps coming up, right? And so it's definitely worth worth checking in on. I mean, one of the interesting things I'll just sort of start off with and then we're not really going to talk about again is in this long list of sort of media sources for news, if you're listening to this right now, you're part of the 15% of Texas voters who say that they listen to podcasts as one of their sources of political news. But I think that's really important here. You know, I think like one of the things that I, I think happens a lot, just in politics generally, is that the people who pay attention to politics seem to have some really kind of interesting sort of un, under-informed or, or motivated ideas about what the rest of the public is doing, thinking, right. how they're approaching things. What they know, what they don't. Yeah, and, and yeah. so and so, what's, I think, kind of just in, on its face, I mean, what's useful about something like this is just to take a step back and say, okay, you know, let's let's update our assumptions a little bit about how the electorate is engaging with political news and media. And then further, there's this other piece to it, which is, you know, a little bit more complicated. And I didn't go too deep into this, but, you know, How do like usage patterns and, you know, overall views relate? Because ultimately, you know, I think at this point what's kind of become apparent, I think, in, in the recent era more, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's like more prevalent is this idea of sort of like reluctant usage. I mean, you hear it a lot from a lot of people where they say like, oh, yeah, you know, I hate Twitter. And it's like, are you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter.
0: Yeah, you that's know how I know I hate it.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of people and who I talk, can't get enough, <laughs> and you hear a lot of people talking about like, oh, I'm gonna get off this platform or that, and some people yeah. do, and some people don't. And so I think this was a really interesting time to kind of ask this this set of questions. So, so let's let's you know start off at thirty thousand feet, right? I mean, you were talking about local television consolidation, and you know, in some ways, them you know local television being something of the you know the. I, I guess I shouldn't say. Yeah, I'll, say, I'll just I say. Said it, but... Did you say redhead stepchild? I, just said, step... I think I said ugly stepchild. Oh, ugly stepchild. Okay, well let's just leave it that alone. <laughs> the stepchild of the media environment. But the thing is, is and this is something that we found consistently. We've been finding this over time. Local television stations remain one of the primary sources of news for most Texans. So, forty-three percent of Texas voters said that they used local television in the previous week for to find you know basically news about politics. But interestingly, and this is something that we definitely would not have found five or ten years ago, it was tied in, in basically its overall saturation with social media like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, where 42 percent of Texans
0: said right. that – Social media writ large, writ large is how we offered that as an option at that level. That was the December poll. Right? Yeah, that
1: was in the December poll. And that's where we're you – know, if you think about – and I'll just tell you, you can look this up later. We'll put it on the, on the blog post when we put this up. But when you look at uh, news sources here, we're talking really about you know like – Local news broadcasts, national news broadcasts, talking about you know national newspapers like the New York Times and their websites, but also local newspapers, you know like the Austin American Statesman, the Dallas News, and their morning news and and their websites. And we're really trying to break this out: podcasts, conservative news websites, liberal news websites. Really trying to get a sense of where people are are, are getting right. their news, and again the main source for most people is still going to be local news. And that sort of raises, again, this sort of issue, again, about, you know, the importance of local media, honestly, in a lot of cases, right? And
0: and I I think one of the interesting things about that is that, A, we've gotten it before. I mean, I can't remember exactly when the last time we did a similar battery was, but this is not the first time that this has shown up. And and we've seen it in other sources. Yeah, It's reasonably well known, I guess, as as a fact. But it, you know, it's interesting to me the degree to which this has, you know, already for a while been incorporated into campaign strategy. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And certainly, I mean, and I, and I do think that the, you know, Republican campaigns in Texas have been, you know, the Abbott campaign in particular has really made a point of saying, you know, if we can go out and hit local newscasts, particularly in areas that are kind of outside or on the edge of them, you know, outside of the major media markets... You know, it's it's a form of targeting. I mean, we talk a lot about targeting on social media, but ultimately it's a it's a traditional it's it's a it's a way of of targeting your audiences but using traditional media.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's so remarkable living in Austin and Travis County, which is not a very competitive political environment. In some ways, how few political ads you actually see around campaign season if you just take a minute and like drive outside of Austin, go, right. you know, almost anywhere else. And the local television stations at night are just bombarded right. with these ads. You know,
0: listen or listen you know, listen to AM radio. Yeah, right, for sure. So, you know, when we look at the social
1: media item, which we asked, we went into more detail. So, again, in the, in the December poll, we asked just about, you know, broad buckets of different sort of sources of media. In the February poll, we want to ask specifically about different social media platforms, both whether people have used them. And right. here we extended the time frame in the last month. And then further, we said, you know, do you have a favorable or unfavorable view of each of these? And so we're trying to get a sense, you know, again, given sort of all these undercurrents that you were bringing up at the beginning, you know, what people's reactions are to these different social media companies. And this is something, to, you know, to me I say as a public opinion scholar or study or research or whatever you want to call it, this is super interesting because I, you know, what I say, is when I don't really know like how the numbers are going to fall. Yeah, I
0: mean, th- it w- that was nice about this, I thought, in that you know, it's just sort of you know, you say like, I mean, going
1: into this, you say, hey. What do you think, you know, the fave-unfave numbers on Twitter are going to be? It's like, I don't know, you know, right. which is why I was good to ask. So, again, taking a step back, only to- two social media platforms, I think we tested about 11 or so, maybe 10, attracted a majority of users right. from the Texas electorate. So that was YouTube, which will kind of put a pin as to whether that's a social yeah. media platform or not. I say yes. Their CEO says no. He has different interests than I do. <laughs> but... but but anyway, <laughs> so 84 percent of Texans and more than four in five said they use YouTube in the last month and 77 percent said they use Facebook. Now, and a lot of people might say, wait, isn't Facebook on the way out if you kind of like, you know, follow. But the thing is, is not in the electorate because the electorate is older. Right. right. And so that's something to consider here. And we'll kind of come back to as we go into some of the groups. But but, you know, Facebook remains, you know, just one of you know the most sort of widespread social media applications right. across the electorate. Um, you know, I thought was, this was sort of interesting when you think about sort of like different kinds of social media platforms I and mean, just some gender differences were interesting here in the electorate. You know, men were more likely to say that they'd used Twitter in the last month, which was 51 percent compared to 39 percent. It's a pretty good
0: gap. That's one of those things where I wonder if that's changed. You know, what I, I, I kind of doubt it, but yeah. I don't know.
1: I don't want to. I mean, you know, this is where we get to sort of <laughs> engage in some speculation. But I yeah. mean, I think when you look across the various sort of social media platforms, you know, if you think about, like, is this a platform where you yell? <laughs> or is this a platform where you, you know, where you post? You know, I think you could start to kind of use that as a, as a, as a rationale. Are you generalizing
0: out. saying men are yellers? Well, it looks like it.
1: <laughs> uh, at, least of, at least in terms of- yeller. At
0: least in terms of which ones they like to use. There's an old yeller joke in there somewhere I can't quite reach.
1: So, you know, and women were about, like, 10 points more likely to say they use Facebook and Instagram compared to men. Right.
0: Okay. So obviously and we should say you know that is consistent also with some of the thing you know I mean over you know and again pre musk that yeah you know the the you know the sort of sexism and bullying and stuff on twitter
1: right anyway there's lots of you know, yeah, hypotheses lots, we lots could generate of, yeah, there's here there's a lot of things here yeah so i mean i think you know obviously here i mean what we're really interested in given where we're sitting is is sort of the the partisan patterns right. in, in in political information consumption right because that's really i think you know what people have been talking about for a long time and kind of what we wanted to see: what one, you know, is that
0: evidence in the data, and then if so, like how, right, and where, where? R- right, and, and it's funny because you go into this with, you know, I mean, some assumptions, predispositions, as yeah. much as we're trying to be objective, and it, it's interesting to hear what. What's confirmatory and what's not?
1: Yeah, right? for sure.
0: There's a lot more nuance
1: here than I think, you know, I would have thought when we asked the questions. I mean, I, and I'll say, and I'll just sort of preview it anyway, because there's no point, yeah. with, you know, and this is going to be true in general. I mean, one, age is a big factor here. No surprise, right? But, you know, having said that, you know, you don't necessarily think about the impact of age, let's say, on Republican consumption habits when people talk about, like, Republican consumption of the news. Well, right. you know, there's some pretty actual, there's actually some, some pretty big variability both... In terms of age and gender, when we look at GOP attitudes uh, towards the media, and there's also you know similar but slightly different kind of you know impacts among Democrats. And so, you know, when you start to describe like you know the the Republican media ecosystem, it turns out that I don't know exactly what that means. Yeah. you know, having looked at this. So let's let's just get into it and then we can kind of come back. Yeah. Okay. So the most prevalent source of news for for Republicans in Texas is still local television, not surprisingly. Now for them almost identical and almost identical share still says cable television news in their websites. So it's 44% for local television, 42% for cable television, and then social media comes in third at 37%. So one, it's important to know, social media is pretty widespread and it's, you know, again as, as a yeah. source for news. You know, and in some ways this is somewhat confirmatory. Local television is a news source for everybody, but also among Republicans, cable television news is still a primary source. But then you start to see, like, well, what if we dig into that a little bit more? And it was interesting, right? I mean, number one, I thought this was very interesting. You know, Republican men uh, appear to be significantly more likely than Republican women to get their news from what we might think of as traditionally conservative sources of news, like cable television, uh, 50% of men compared to 35% of women, of Republican women, uh, conservative news websites, 36% of men compared to 23% of women, and talk radio, 30% of Republican men compared to 23% of Republican women. But yet... Nearly equal shares say that they get their information from local television and from social media. So it's these, you know, sort of, again, when we think about the traditional sort of, you know, historically conservative, you know, uh, right. media ecosystem, especially like talk radio, these these conservative news websites, this is really much more, uh, you know, again, a source of news for Republican men than women, which I think is, is is pretty interesting. It's not leading to
0: very divergent views. Right. I mean, we're often, you know, looking for, you know, to see if there are differences between Republican men and women. And. You know, this is a little too general, but it seems to me more often than not, those gaps are not as big as we expect. Yeah. And the thing that's
1: interesting about this actually is normally when we see gender gaps, it can be explained bipartisanship. So often what we find is that, you know, democratic identification runs higher among women than it does among men or vice versa, you say Republican, right. it doesn't matter how you put it, but there's a gap yeah. there. And so often when we see gender gaps, what we're really talking about is partisan gaps, not gender gaps. Right. But in this case, we're just looking at Republicans. So these actually are just gender gaps within the party, and they're, they're, they're pretty wide. Um, so I mean, it's just sort of just an interesting finding about, you know, the media ecosystem, you know, especially among Republicans, that already by gender, you know, if you're trying to reach out to Republican men, you know, there's some some big targets out there that aren't necessarily as big for Republican women. Yeah. Now, Looking on a little further, looking at the social, you know, reactions to social media, uh, you know, YouTube was the only social media platform, as we'll call it, viewed favorably by a majority of Republicans. And there was only 53 percent who said they had a favorable opinion of YouTube. No more than 36 percent of Republicans said that they held a positive view of any of the other social media platforms tested. This included Facebook. This included Twitter, Snapchat, LinkedIn. It also included Truth Social, Parler. So I mean, we were trying to get a pretty good spread here. Uh, and, and ultimately, you know, what you find is, is that in general, it's not, I mean, one thing you might take away from this, I think, is that it's not even so much that Republicans have a
0: problem with TikTok, it's that as a group, Republicans have a problem with all of it. Yeah. Which is, you know, I, you know, I've been mulling that and I'm still not quite sure what to make of it. I am I'm wondering if there's a little bit of a, you know, dynamic here that's akin to antipathy towards negative ads, <laughs> That's interesting. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is, you know, people say they hate it, but they use it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking— <laughs> Kind of thing, and I, you know, and I don't— And the use data doesn't necessarily ground that, but I— It's You t- know, I don't know. I— uh...
1: Yeah, I mean, I think once we go through the Democratic views, it'll be interesting to come yeah. back to this question because I'll just add right. two things we can come back to. I mean, one, I think of like whatever is the inverse of like a halo effect. I mean, it's almost like because there's this sort of negative attitude towards some social media right. and that's really prevalent, and because use is not that high, especially among older Republicans, yeah. then all of a sudden does that imbue sort of a negative response to everything? And then I'd also say generally, regardless of what party you're 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 a part of, there's also just sort of a central body of evidence and information that's kind of going out, I think, increasingly, that says, hey, you know, this isn't good for kids, any of it. Like, none of it is good for anybody. Oh, that's
0: an interesting, yeah. And
1: I think that's sort of, you know, in this sort of environment we're in right now where we're talking about what kids are exposed to a lot as a major sort of political ploy, it is interesting that at the same time, there's a lot of studies that kind of have been coming out saying, you know, really, social media of any kind is not really good for, like, a teenager. Right. And so, I mean, I don't know, but I'll just sort of throw that out there. Yeah. But I'll tell you I'll what. Put a pin in that, yeah. Well, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh You know, ultimately, Republican voters who are under 30 and to a lesser extent, maybe under 45, hold much more favorable views in general than do older Republicans. So, for example, as much as TikTok has been in the news as sort of an object of scorn and especially among Republicans. Suspicion. Danger. (laughs) Whatever word you want to use. A majority of Republican voters under 30, 52 percent, said that they held a favorable view of TikTok, but no more than a quarter of any of the older cohorts among Republicans. Right. And so, again, that's sort of one of those, you know, not surprising, but the gap is interesting, you know. Uh, and we've seen this before, I think, in, in, the, in you know, I think in the Republican electorate where there are – there do tend to be differences when we look at the youngest cohort of Republicans yeah. or the older on things like climate change.
0: Right. You know, on some Little of these other – pockets of –
1: yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, honestly, you know, the the time, right? I mean, everybody comes of age at a different point of time and, you know, ultimately, you know – these Republican voters are still young people and they're young people before they're Republicans. And ultimately if they're engaging with, you know, a platform that their peers are engaging with regularly and this is the way that they, you know, do whatever, engage express I mean, like, you know, right, it's gonna be
0: hard for their Republicanness to yeah, outweigh that. Be like why well, you know, in a lot of cases. Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: I just think, you know, think about when you were twenty three and when you, whether you were thinking more about like, you know, your presence in front of, you know, Let's say you know phys- probably physical objects of desire on the one hand, yeah. and, and on the other hand, you know your concern about a growingly powerful China, <laughs> right? I don't know. I think I I you know most of us probably cared about or the, the cognitive
0: impact it may be having it may have had on you as you were growing up or something. Yeah. You know, right. All right. Feels so, fine to me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, exactly. So okay, so democratic media use and views. Let's talk about that, and we can kind of come back around. So you know, across the board, Texas's Democratic voters showed a greater variety in their media consumption habits than did Texas's Republicans. So social media and local news were a source for fifty yeah. percent uh, of Democrats, but also almost a majority, forty-four uh, percent, said they they looked at broadcast television news and their websites for information. Forty-one percent said cable news, uh, you know, in their respective websites. A third still said national newspapers and their websites, and even a third said local newspapers and their websites. So, you know, there's just tends to be a little bit – I wouldn't even say the Democrats are out necessarily consuming more news, but there seems to be less resistance to a lot of the traditional sources of news that are out there, which makes a lot of sense given, you know, the conversations have gone on. You know, a majority of Democratic voters said that they'd used four social media applications as a source for news in the previous month in our February poll. Twitter was 50 percent. Instagram was 56 percent. Facebook was 78 percent and YouTube was 88 percent. So just in general, you know, if you think about like the different – I mean you're talking about Republicans really leaning on local news and local news broadcast is a good place to reach voters especially outside of major cities. You can see why, you know, when you hear about democratic investments and campaigns, there's so much of it is about digital advertising, digital targets because, you know, ultimately it's going to hit a lot of democratic voters. Yeah. Okay. Having said all this, Democrats hold only a slightly more positive view of social media platforms than the overall electorate. Uh, you know, three quarters hold a positive view of YouTube, which is really the outlier in a lot of ways, right. for, I think, reasons we could talk about or not. You know, but 45 percent hold a positive view of Facebook, which sounds about right. <laughs> you know, 44 percent of Instagram. But again, like Republicans, fewer than, a th- you know, about 36 percent, so fewer than 36 percent, a little more than a third, hold a positive view of any of the other platforms. Now, some of that is people just not holding a view at all. And that's important to say. But in general, it's not like there's widespread positive feeling out there about much of the social media landscape, I think, as we see it right now, right? Right. And then the last bit from this before we kind of go into some takeaways is, you know, there's sort of – is the independents, right? So the not-Democrats and the non-Republicans here, the people who don't identify with either party initially or when pushed even – and yeah. the way that we define this was in the news a little bit this week because Gallup released some new data, as they often do with kind of very, very blithely about it. Yeah.
0: Uh, about. No, I saw that. I saw that. I saw the point. I saw the data. And I saw the thread you Yeah. I, reposted on Twitter.
1: I posted a thread on Twitter. So Pew releases – or not Pew, I'm sorry. Gallup releases data this week basically talking about the growing share of political independence. The, the definition of political independence is something that political science talk about a lot – scientists talk about a lot. A really noted – the uh, pollster Charles Franklin had basically put up a Twitter thread sort of responding to this, kind of how we might think about this. All very interesting. When we're talking about political independence here, right. we're talking about the approximately 10 to 15 percent of voters who don't identify with either party initially and when pushed, do not identify with either party. Right. And these are the people who remain. Um, the main thing to know about political independence and media consumption is they consume less media than do partisans. For the most part, there's a couple of instances where they may, you know, consume a little bit more of other types of media. But, uh, you know, ultimately, no more than 31% said that they consumed any of the 14 sources of media that we tested for news in the previous week, right? So no more than a third. You know, this is honestly, you know, this is surprising to people, but just, you know, this is a, a sort of a, I think a foundational characteristic of independence, which is often they're not going to be as engaged with politics as partisans. Right, and some of that you can think about where the causal errors go on that, which directions they're going, but it should make a fair amount of sense that you know if you pay a bunch of attention to politics it's uh, odds are you'll pick a side at some point right, and if you don't, it's kind of easier just not to
0: yeah, i mean I, you know I've always thought that what's at work what's it i mean there's an interesting idealization at work in both mm-hmm. the subjective sort of declaration of being in of political independence and the outside assumptions and you know i mean people you know i think confuse being politically independent with being you know an active independent thinker right well some people well and some are yes yeah, some are or think they are or as this shows i mean there's you know there's there's not a lot of engagement you know what do you what do you i mean I, you know i've been kind of thinking about you know since you know you put all this together and you know in fits and starts since we looked at this yeah You know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I think about this difference between, you know, Democratic and Republican habits here Mm -hmm. and and what they're – you know, how they express it. Because on – you know, on one hand, some of it fits our preconceived notions of the parties, right? Yeah. What do you know? Democrats are – you know, kind of more eclectic in their media sources, a little, you know, spread out a little bit more, you know, yeah. in some ways that, 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 looks not unlike the most important problem batteries.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting way to, well,
0: you know, in that, mm-hmm. in, in a sense, right. I mean, a little more active, a little, you know, a little less monotonic, yeah. you know, um, in some ways, I'm not sure what the explanation for that is in terms of media habits among Republicans though.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know. I mean, you
0: know, there's a lot more digging in. You know, I I haven't looked much at this like by intensity, and I think that would be interesting.
1: No, but I mean, I think you know part of what is sort of I mean, there's the part and of the it, independent
0: thing makes a lot of sense. But.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's part of it that's you know I think pretty explainable, and some of that is just in the different demographics of the party. Well, right? I was going to say, you know, yeah, you, know, you were kind of you know you're you're waving at that there a little bit. I'll just right. say it explicitly. I mean, you know, I think that the fact is the fact that Democrats. The Democratic Party tends to
0: skew younger. So age and and, and, and heterogeneity.
1: Yeah, it tends to skew, you know, with with, with more, you know, racial and ethnic diversity, which is going to impact media and social media use, I think. Uh, You know, not to mention the fact that I also think there's a certain, you know, potential, I would say, less threat you know, in terms of the, you know, the values and sort of ideology of Democrats of sort of these technological platforms as they've been deployed, right. I think, for the most part. I'm going to say, you know, we're kind of at a point, as you raised at the beginning, where, you know, that's kind of, yeah. that's that's shifting a little bit. I mean, you know, to the extent that, like, I mean, I think it's notable that there was this idea, whether true or not, that conservatives needed their own social media applications to be able to express themselves You know, I don't get the impression that, like, Democrats or liberals have felt that they, you know, are limited in their ability to express themselves on the existing offerings. So I think there's a lot of reasons, you know, I think you can see that. You know, having said that, you know, there's also kind of just interesting differences within the parties that were really kind of the most surprising to me. You know, I think having, you know, grown up during the cable news, you know, revolution and this idea of, you know, cable news being this big behemoth – It's really interesting to look at this data and realize, one, you know, it's not it's not a behemoth. It's not even that, you know, cable news isn't a behemoth. It's just it's not even a behemoth within sort of the Republican ecosystem. I think that's kind of what was one of the more surprising results here is that, you know, yeah, everybody knows that Fox News has competition. now Got it. But like, you know, to really sort of put on paper the fact that, OK, but social media and cable news are basically and, and local news are all kind of at an equal level of saturation within the Republican Party. But also, once we dig into that, it's like, is that going to be the same across the Republican party? It's just clearly not, right? And when we look at, like, use patterns, social media use patterns, you know, amongst Republicans under 30 and in some cases under 45 compared to older Republicans who really are, you know, the core of the party is usually, you know, an older, you know, whiter base. That is – those are
0: two different media universes. I mean – Well, it's funny you would say that because I was kind of wondering also, though, about what the connective – you know, there's also connective tissue between those that – Well, you know, I mean, I mean, the use, you know, calling it a media ecosystem is actually like helps. Yeah. You know, I mean, in other words, if you watch just random, you know, if you watch Fox, but you're not on Twitter. Right. That doesn't mean that, you know, you're not. Yeah. You know, the people on Twitter aren't getting being fed by Fox and the people on Fox aren't being fed by Twitter.
1: No, absolutely, and it's not like you're getting necessarily
0: seen yeah, in spades. Yeah,
1: basically. you're not. I mean, I think that's a really important point. You know, you're not getting different messages right. per se. I mean, you may be getting sort of different levels of intensity, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, it would be interesting as we, you know, if we were to take the time to parse this out more, we'd have to probably replicate it a little bit more, but you know, to see if if there are detectable clusters within some of these pockets.
1: Well, you know, you're raising, you know, part of the issue too about like why these media consumption questions actually like why we don't do it too much. I mean, <laughs> right. and it's and it's not and it's not because like oh we don't want to do the work. It's because like this is a really interesting actually three different batteries that we ran over two surveys that each took up a fair amount of space right. on its own and we're not even really asking about like frequency like how often are you using this right yeah. versus something else so that's one you of the you got those,
0: a very rough measure of this, this is last a, month
1: Yeah it's a rough it's a, it's definitely a rough measure but i mean i still i still think you know given the way i mean you know my big takeaway for yeah. the, for the republican piece of this is that i think you know the republican you know sort of media consumption happens are often talked about in a very sort of fixed you know uh homogenous Kind of right. I mean, you know, I mean, similar to the way we talk about the party, right? (laughs) I mean,
0: to be you know, I mean, you know, to be fair to Republicans, I mean, it's a common Democratic trope that this obviously portrays as much more complicated. That you know, you know, Fox gives marching orders and Republicans march, which is and this and this data would say that's just silly. Right. It's silly, and you know, as we've seen on. You know, at, at, you know, we referenced this – I referenced this briefly earlier. As we've seen some of the discovery in the Dominion case, yeah. you know, it's – again, it's like that op- – you know, we talk about it all the time in terms of political leadership, elites, and public opinion. There's a variation on that is that, you know, that's a dance. Yeah. You know, and sometimes public opinion da- is kind of leading.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's sort of the takeaway. I think the question that that raises going forward is, you know, given that there seems to be this clear uh, dividing line between younger Republicans and older Republicans and kind of in their orientation towards media, because, again, younger Republicans are just people living their lives first, right? And their media consumption habits are going to be driven by more than just where they get political news. You know, it does make sort of this, you know, very aggressive posture towards, you know, social media and new media formats. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out kind of over a couple, you know, whether election cycles or legislative cycles right. or, or what have you.
0: Well, and also I think, you know, I mean, and then attendant to that on this, I mean, how that's going to interact with, you know, big unknowns in the social media universe right now. I mean, you know, look, we're facing this ourselves in terms of as we think about our propagation strategies uh-huh. and distribution strategies. I mean, you know, I, I could spin out a couple of hypotheses I might defend and I know you can and have, but – you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Twitter. Oh, no. No way. <laughs> right? You know, or, you know, whether any of these other sort of contending platforms or established platforms that are looking to, you know, exploit this, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think there's, you know, I don't, you know, and what, I mean, look, what this underlines in part is that for most voters, at least in terms of their direct habit, yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. This is kinda of problem. Well, I'll and you know and you know honestly for the most reliable voters, yeah. It really doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter, yeah, and it doesn't matter in their you know, now. It doesn't matter in terms of their activities or what they're doing or, you know, their kind of habits. Um but I think the earlier point I was trying to make is also kind of relevant here is that, you know, it it may matter in a more structural way. Yeah. In the sense that you know, look, a lot of reporting and 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 promotion and campaigning tactics, you know, incorporate Twitter yeah. and incorporate social media. Yeah. And, you know, there's an interest, you know, I mean, I, mean, I think there's the signs of all the tremors and all that that we've seen, you know, are kind of present here when you look at a lot of the patterns that you've talked about here. I mean, um, you know, one of the surprising things that I think flew in the face of conventional wisdom a little bit was sort of age in Facebook. Right. Yeah. Because I think the conventional wisdom is, you know, Facebook is where, you know, my parents or my grandparents go to do social media. Right. Now, there's some, you know, there's some degree of 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 support for that in this, but not in some huge way. Right. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, well, because the truth is, you know, the younger
1: people are still using Facebook more than the older people because yeah. they're using all social media more than the older people. So there's an aspect of this. It's like, yes, relative to the other options, sure, right. there are more old people here, but the reality is, there aren't as many old people on any of these, you know, platforms as as our younger people because, again, it's it it wasn't, you know, again, just right. it wasn't made for them.
0: It wasn't and again, made for them. by know, older, you know. you know, we, you know, sixty-five plus. I mean, because those that middle aged older cohort is, you know. Yeah, I would say that, that as well. The dividing
1: line I'm using here, and this is made this is without any ju- any judgment at all on actual age. I'm just saying older and younger because there's, there's two categories. Forty five. Yeah. You know, when we look at Republicans, you know, I mean, just in general, there's just more use of all social media platforms among the younger, younger right. cohorts. It just so happens that Facebook, you know, early market entrant, you know, all kinds of things is you know maintained a certain you know pride of place amongst even the older cohorts. But still, that doesn't mean that a majority of Republicans
0: over 45 are using Facebook. Right. And so I think, you know, as we wind it up, I mean, one thing for people that probably listen, you know, they're likely to be hearing this, you know, one of the interesting elements here is, you know, the world that we see uh, in terms of, and, and we've known this, but I think this underlines it. I mean, the world you see is especially on Twitter right now oh, yeah. in terms of the tech sledge feed, look, interesting, tells you some stuff about some people and about you know, we have an OK sense of who those people are, but um, not very indicative of what's going on out there. Not not the world that most people are seeing if they're looking at political news. Do you know, you know, what's
1: worse than the than, than no survey at all would be a survey. It would be like a Twitter poll.
0: Oh, I'm glad we got a chance to put I that I just
1: in want there. to throw that out there. I mean, yes. just in terms of... I mean, in this case is like, you've
0: wondered why we hate Twitter
1: polls. But it's a good example. It's not a representative sample. You know, before we finish up, let's. I want to talk about the Democrats a little bit. Yeah, I sure. Think, I think this is, you know, one other sort of interesting thing, and I, I didn't really put this in, in, the, in the blog post that, that, you know, where we kind of put all this data together in, on, on the website, but I thought it was interesting you can kind of look at this data yourself. You know, Democratic millennials were an interesting group in this. Now, I want to put a caveat on this, which is to say... You know, we're talking about a subset of less than half the sample, right? Because we're talking about, you know, basically 30 to 44-year-old Democratic identifiers out of a poll of right. 1,200. So, one, I want to say there's going to be an error bar around this, these these results. A pretty substantial one, yeah. And two, we've done this once. So, I want to say, you know, I want to do this again before I go too deep into this. But one of the other sort of interesting pieces of this was how consistently uh, – Less positive, or if you want to say negative, whatever, you know, kind of, and those are different things, but yeah, I'm just saying either one, democratic millennials were towards a lot of media and social media. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting being a millennial myself and just sort of thinking about, you know, the, because I mean, this is the group that sort of was, I mean, the definition of this group is is based around social media. Yeah. Essentially, in the in the in the in the start of social media. And this is the group that actually, you know, again, among interestingly again, among Democrats, was more likely to since sense have a negative or less positive view of most social media platforms, where even the older groups were like, no, these, these platforms are fine, or I have a favorable view. And again, these group the group in particular millennials were just showing a little bit of reticence. Now, whether that goes back to Facebook, sort of the 2016 election, how Facebook had sort of, you know, Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter and his sort of transformation of it, right. and again to the whole point, you know, is this about something specific? Is it more general? But that's also something that's kind of interesting to keep an eye on, in the sense that you know, is that sort of an ascendant group in Democratic politics? The idea that this group has sort of different communication preferences relative to the rest of the party is kind of an interesting sort of donut right. hole in the data that you know.
0: You know, and it, and it uh, you know, and it does. You know, it's an interesting spin again with all the caveats you've mentioned. It's an interesting spin on what we think of as. The Perpetual Difficulty Mobilizing Young Democratic Voters.
1: Yeah, that's a really good way. To, yeah, no, for sure. I hadn't thought about that. But that is, that's... It's I like,
0: mean, you yeah. know, maybe because, you know, you're you know you're in a hole to begin with when you're using all these channels you think are great for reaching millennials.
1: Well, and that's and that's, and that's I think, you know, if anyone is going to take anything away from this podcast, this piece, whatever, it's that, you know, anyone who says like, well, if you want to reach fill in the blank X, you got to be on whatever. You got, it's like you know, take a look at the data. Yeah, It's one snapshot, but I think, you know, it's a lot more complicated than that uh, in most cases. And, you know, again, I think like what's interesting on the one hand, you've got, you know, Republicans who are actually sort of, you know, kind of trying to kneecap, you know, what is a major communication platform to reaching lots of their voters or, or a series of them generally, depending on how, yeah. how the, the things that play out. And then on the Democratic side, you know, you have another one of these issues where it's kind of like, well, <laughs> which social media platform you know yeah, you yeah. Know.
0: and yeah and, and and clearly i think you're right about that it's so a smart thing to pull out of this you know there's no silver bullet there no not at all right and you know which again you know rem- is you know re- reminds me of the traditional democratic dilemmas right one more aspect of that right well thanks for all the work you did putting that together and and explaining this to people um we will link to that post in uh the post for this for this uh, podcast on our website. If you're getting this at another outlet or, you know, you're going to direct to another social media slash podcast outlet, um, you'll find us at texaspolitics.utexas.edu. Uh, there's a section on the front page for polling. Follow it through the blog and you will find the post that Josh did and, uh, you know, lots of links to all the data we've talked about. So, with that, thanks again to Josh for being here thank and doing all that work. Thanks again to our excellent production team in the Deb Studio in the College of Liberal Arts at UT Austin. Keep an eye on the legislature. It's getting, you know, very wild yeah, over there. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back soon with another second reading podcast. Second Reading Podcast is a production of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin.